About four times throughout the year, we as a church gather together around the Lord's table. We gather together to remember what Christ did on the cross. And as we just sang about, and as you just saw the the pictures, um, God sent his son into this world to pay a high price. A high price for the sins that you and I commit on a daily basis. He sent his son to pay a high price for the things that we choose in our lives to do that's in direct disobedience to him. He sent his son into this world to pay a high price for the sins of all humanity. And communion is a time of thanksgiving. It's a time to remember what God did in delivering us from our sins. It's a time for us to give back thanks. It's In a way, it's a bit of a Thanksgiving meal. That's what the disciples were doing when they gathered together in the upper room that day. They were giving thanks for the deliverance of God. He had delivered the Jewish people from the hands of the Egyptians out of slavery into freedom, into the promised land. And that's what they were doing originally. And here we are over 2,000 years later. Well, actually, many more thousands of years that they were celebrating that um, Seder Supper that time of remembering and of God's deliverance. And here we are so many years later remembering once again that God is the great deliverer. And we give thanks. In fact, some of you grew up in a tradition where uh, communion or the Lord's Supper was called the Eucharist or the Holy Eucharist. And that word comes from a, a, a word that means to give thanks or gratitude. And so today we're going to come around the Lord's table and we're going to give thanks for what he has done. But it got me thinking about the fact that the disciples in the upper room, they they were having their own Thanksgiving dinner, their own Thanksgiving feast. And here in a few weeks, um, you're going to be going to grandma's house or you're going to be going to some aunt or uncle's house that you see once a year, maybe. Um, Or perhaps they're all invading your space and they're going to stay at your house for a few days. Or maybe you're going to join me and Dave and uh, 400 others, or actually many, many more, um, down at Hudson's for the community Thanksgiving dinner. And we will give thanks. But I know that you have been a part of a Thanksgiving dinner that wasn't so thankful. You probably remember that Thanksgiving. That someone in the family had done something in the year past, and it kind of made a group of people mad and angry. And there was this thick tension when you walk in their home. There's this kind of unspoken elephant in the room that everybody wants to talk about, but nobody wants to talk about. And all of a sudden, someone says that one thing. And all of a sudden, Thanksgiving isn't so thankful. Uh, I remember as a kid, it happened... um, at our Thanksgiving dinner, and we would, when I was younger, we'd go to my uncle's, and he lived on a farm, and it was the the big adult table, and then, like so many Thanksgiving meals, it was the long adult table, you know, they they went to the, you know, church and grabbed some tables, I don't know if the pastor knew about it or not, but they got them, and down at the end was the, the card table where the kids sat, right? You remember that. Some of you will do that in a few weeks, right? Kids are sitting down there looking up at the adults like, one day we'll be there. And I remember one year, uh, one of my cousins um, was messing with her sister, and she threw a pea at her cousin. 
Well, that got um, the other cousins started, and some cousins that we didn't even really know all that well started, and all of a sudden there was food all over the table. And our parents were really, really, really unhappy that that was going on at Thanksgiving. I mean, it was kind of a mess. The card table was a mess, I got to be honest with you. There was a lot to clean up. It was like, we need to go in the kitchen, and then we have to deal with this that the kids left. And I remember that Thanksgiving, it wasn't real thankful. It wasn't real focused. We, we were being selfish, but I got to be honest with you, there were times that I watched even the adults kind of go through the same mentality. Okay, they weren't throwing food. That didn't happen at the adult table in my family, but there were times when the attitude of the people around the table weren't so thankful. And if I'm real honest, there are times when my attitude around the Thanksgiving table isn't so full of gratitude. But I think it's kind of interesting that all the way back at the beginning of the first church, there's this situation that takes place that the Apostle Paul has to address, and he does it through a letter. He doesn't get up in the middle of the Thanksgiving meal and go over to the little card table and say, hey, kids, stop, or like you're going to go to your rooms, like an adult would say that on Thanksgiving, but it did happen in my house. He didn't do that. He wrote a letter. And he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and he had to address several issues. And one of the issues that he addressed was how they were handling this Thanksgiving dinner, this time of communion, this time of remembering what Jesus had done. And he has to remind them what it's all about. And I think for us, that's what communion really is. It's a time where we stop and we inspect our lives, and, and we take a pause for a moment, and we get back to the heart of why we do what we do. We get back to the main reason of why we even have communion, or the Lord's Supper, or the Lord's Table, or the Eucharist in the first place. And so Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. He says this, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. <laughs> like, that right out of the gates is not going to be good. He's not real happy. He says, I do not commend you. I'm sure some of the Corinthians that were reading this probably passed over whatever the original language indication for not was. They probably thought, oh, he's about ready to tell us how great we're doing at this. Because we don't sometimes like to hear Correction. But in the following instruction, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. I want you to think about that for a moment. This is the Apostle Paul, who is really kind of the, like, the grandfather of you know, our faith. He, he's he's kind of like the, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, and he says in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. When you all get together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, it ain't good for anyone. And then he goes on to describe what happens. He says, for in the first place, man, you know if he's saying for the first place, what follows is not going to be good. When you come together as a church, I hear, I've gotten news, someone has told me that there is a division or there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. I love that little phrase too. It gives an indication that perhaps the one that came to him is a part of the division. Maybe. 
He says, I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. It's like, man, you guys started before everybody was at the table. Like you just dove in and started eating the turkey. Calm down. It's not about you, Paul essentially is saying here. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper. You eat for an eating. Verse 21, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry because there's nothing left, and the other gets drunk. You think your Thanksgiving meal is kind of rough? This is not going well in the early church. He says, what? And his exclamation there is a bit of a correction. What? Like, you've got to be kidding me. Really? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? I love the message version of it. It says, why don't you go back to your homes and get a sandwich if you're that hungry? (laughs) Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have done nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I won't. I will not. And so right there, Paul um, lays out the problem in the church when it involves this Thanksgiving meal that Jesus left us with, that Jesus told us to celebrate often. And he's correcting the church in Corinth, and he's laying out this idea that they just came to this table, which was, by the way, really a, a true meal that included very specific things that had a representation of every detail of God's deliverance. And it was meaningful, and it was meant to be sincere, and it was meant to be a genuine time of checking this relationship out, of really inspection here to make sure that you and God are good, but also to make sure that this is good with other people. In the church in Corinth, they were treating it just like really any other meal. They weren't taking it seriously at all. And so Paul corrects, and he does it in two ways. The first way that he does it is he reminds them of what it's all about. We're going to read those middle verses when we take communion here in a few moments. But I want to skip down to verse 27 because here's where he deals with it much more directly. And I think this is where we can learn today and maybe prepare our hearts a little bit better so that we can truly inspect This relationship and these relationships, these vertical and horizontal relationships that we have. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, hey, before you come to the Lord's table, inspect yourself. Inspect your life. Inspect how you're taking care of this, the temple of God. And then he says in verse 30, that's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not 
be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we might not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, he says in verse 34, let him eat at home. That's where the message said, go get a sandwich. I love that. So that when you come together, it will not be for the judgment. And then he says, about the other things, I will give direction when I come. You know, Paul writes this. I want, you to, I want you to understand that he writes this not to give the, like, communion table etiquette. His point is, is not to nitpick all the specifics on, on how we take communion. Paul is interested in something that is, that is much more deep and meaningful than that. Paul is interested in us checking our hearts. Paul's interested in us pausing for a moment and considering how we're living our lives and how we're treating our bodies and, by the way, how we're treating those around us. And so the point of communion may not be dinner etiquette or proper table manners, but, you know, our behavior and our attitude as people can truly be an indicator of a greater problem, can't it? So this first church in Corinth, when they were coming together and they were eating out of turn and they were, they were drinking too much and eating too soon and eating too much, it wasn't the manners that Paul was concerned about. It was the heart. Because behavior and attitude is an indicator. Bad behavior and a bad attitude is an indicator of a heart issue. A few years ago, uh, I went through, as I've mentioned before, a, um, a season of uh, really kind of working through some depression and working through some deeply personal issues in my life. And uh, part of my um, time where, where I, I really was uh, leaning on God and recovering and getting through some of that, that, that season um, involved um, me journaling and writing down things that I'm thankful for. And man, the moment I get away from that in my life, the moment I get away from remembering the things that God has done and things that he's given me that I should be most thankful for. The moment I get away from that, the moment thoughts begin to filter into my mind that bring me down, that cause division between me and other people, especially those closest to me. And the moment I forget to be thankful and have gratitude and have a grateful heart are the times when I begin to think about those things that took me right back in that place. And I would imagine that I'm probably not the only one that struggles with this. So today, as we prepare to take the communion table, as we're heading into a season of Thanksgiving, and some of you will um, be with those family members, some of you may not this year, but you're going to be um, like focused on Thanksgiving over these next three weeks or so. I want us to pause this morning before we enter that season, and I want us to give thanks for the greatest thing that we have to give thanks for, and that is, is that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have eternal life when we die. Isn't that great news? I mean, there's no better reset button on a hard attitude that's ungrateful than to stop and to take the Lord's Supper and to walk through the steps to prepare for that, which is what we're going to do as a church over these next few moments. 
Paul writes this letter, yeah, he's probably a little irritated like my dad was that day, like my uncle was that day, like my mom was that day, like some of you are going to be in a few weeks. But Paul writes that letter so that we in 2017 would pause and take inventory of our heart first. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to get up, and I'm going to ask in a few moments for you all to come to these tables. And I'm going to ask for you to take that bread. There's a table to my right, and there's a table to my left. If this side of the room would go over here and that side go over there. And if you'll take that bread, and if you'll go back to your seat, I'd like for us to kind of do what Paul talked about, and that is, is doing it in order. So we're going to take it together. We're going to partake together as a church. And then when we're done taking the bread... Then we're going to take the cup in the same manner, and I'll lead you in that. Um, but before we do that, I, I want to pray. And during this prayer, I want to give you a time for you and God just to, just to talk. Just to talk. Just to maybe get some of that stuff out that you've been dealing with, some of those negative thoughts that you've had. Maybe that attitude of ungratefulness that can lead you to be selfish, like I know it can lead me to be selfish. That attitude of, boy, everybody's got something better, or they've got this that looks better, or they've got this thing that, like, I want that they have, that career, the money, the students, the, the friends, the, the success, businessmen and women. And maybe you've gotten real jealous, and you've gotten really jaded in terms of gratitude. Right now is the time just to press reset on that, and just to focus on all that God gave you by sending his son to die on the cross so would you pray with me for a moment before we begin to get up and to partake God I pray that you would um, help us to be people um, God people who aren't we don't need to be concerned about etiquette or dinner table manners that's not what you're interested in but God when our behavior towards each other and our attitudes towards you or each other God, when that begins to deteriorate, it's an indication of a heart that's deteriorating. And admittedly, I had to get on my knees this morning and confess of some things in my heart and in my behavior that, um, God, I know you're not pleased with. It's similar to what Paul described there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so right now, um, I just want to give you a moment um, just to talk to God and just to confess silently to Him an attitude or a behavior that you've had in recent days or weeks that um, maybe would prevent you from, from taking and receiving this table in a way that's full of thanks. So right now, just talk to God for a moment. Just in, while Cynthia plays and just in this period of silence, just talk to Him for a moment. I just want to give you a moment to do that. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and the things that we just talked to you about and the things that we'll continue to talk to you about over these next few moments. God, we thank you that you took them with you on the cross and now we're prepared with clean hands and a pure heart 
to come to this table with an attitude of thankfulness, with a mindset of, of gratitude for all that you did on the cross. We're so thankful for your body and your blood that you willingly shed for us. And now we just give you honor and praise as we begin this time of communion, this time of Eucharist, of giving thanks, and we give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. 